Two weeks ago we spoke on grace, began speaking about Noah in such a terrible time, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. The week after that, last week, we spoke about the woman taken in adultery. And we brought out once again grace as Christ spoke and wrote upon the ground and those that had brought her to Him and probably one of them had been the one with her that they were convicted and turned away and Christ asked her where her condemned, those that condemned her were, she said, no man condemn me, Lord. And he told her, neither do I condemn thee. There's grace. For this woman was taken in adultery. She was guilty. And grace forgave her of her sins. That is a representation, as I told you, of the grace of God upon His people. Had there been one man in this world without sin, Christ would not have come into this world and died to save us from our sins because salvation would have been from the works of man. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in another place it says, For all there is not one that sinneth not. We're all sinners. We needed a Savior. God provided a Savior in His Son, Jesus Christ, the living Word of God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. We find in John chapter 4, I mentioned this last week, and I'm going to talk about the woman at the well. As we go through this, I want you to think about the church also and the church history, what we have been, where we were by our nature, as Ephesians 2 says, and you hath He, God, quickened while you were dead, in trespasses, since we were dead in sin, unable to recover. Christ died to save us from our sins, and God works in us to do His will. That's Bible, that's Philippians, to do His will, chapter 2. Now as we start in John 4, we need to realize, because the text ties together, that John was, Jesus was baptizing, in the land of Judea, his disciples baptized with water. And John also was baptizing in Ain near to Salem, where there was much water there, and they were being baptized. John had come, and the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious elite and the law service had come to him to seek and see if he was the Christ. He plainly told them that he was not the Christ, but he came to prepare the way for the Christ, the anointed of God, the Son of God, born of the Virgin, taking upon himself the lineage of David. His Father was God. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He was all God. He was all man. He had the power of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. He raised the dead. He healed the sick, revealing by the Spirit of God that He is God in the flesh. 
but he was also man and all man. He got hungry, he got thirsty, he felt the pain as they beat on him and as they nailed him to the cross. With that said, the religious elite, the Pharisees had heard how Christ's disciples baptized more than John's disciples. John came preaching repentance for the remission of sins. Christ's disciples came preaching Christ and Him crucified. The Son of God has come into the world to redeem us from our sins, past, present, and future. He has redeemed us to God by His blood out of every nation. This is the, this is the gospel which was taught. Christ and Him crucified. Now beginning chapter 4, when there was a, a dispute between the disciples of John and the disciples of Christ about purification. The law, God knowing that we were sinners, in the law provided a type, a picture, and a ceremony under the law, a ritual, of how we would be purified. The water, the blood, and the fire. The water was to cleanse the body. They would wash their clothes. They would wash their bodies. The blood would cleanse us from our sins, pointing to the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And the fire was in the burnt offering, teaching us Christ upon the cross, offering Himself to God for the sins of His people, just as the high priest once a year would offer an offering for the sins first of Himself and also of the sons of God. With that said, the laws of purification under the law, bear that in mind as we go through this text. Chapter 4, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. John came preparing the way, repentance for the remission of sins, teaching us that we're nothing, yea, less than nothing, that our good works are nothing, that we're all dead in sin, that we cannot attain unto salvation, that we cannot draw nigh unto God, that we cannot come nigh to God because we're sinners, we're vile, we're filthy, God cannot look upon sin. We were driven from God when God drove Adam from the garden. Christ would redeem us. Christ would make atonement, at one minute with God. Christ would bring us back to God the Father. Jesus baptized not, but His disciples in the name of the Father and the Word or the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus, as we see in the book of Mark, when John was there, and they were inquiring as to whether He was the Christ or not, He made the statement that He was not, said, there cometh one after me whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. 
And that refers back to the book of Ruth when Boaz would, the shoe was, for it was a sign in Israel, the shoe was loose from the foot that Ruth and Naomi could be redeemed. It's the redemption of the children of God. And John said, There cometh one after me whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. I indeed baptize you with water. He, being Christ, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. John speaking of his baptism in teaching us we need to repent that under the law we are convicted that we're guilty that there are none that sinneth not Christ coming to redeem us from our sins is what his people preached and how they baptized But the point being, Christ baptized with the Holy Ghost, His disciples baptized with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Christ, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. He's leaving Judea. Galilee is 42 miles to the north. It's a 45 square mile region beside the Sea of Galilee. It's not a city It's a place, an area, much like a state that we live in today. Between Judea and Galilee, there was Samaria. And the Bible says he left Judea, departed again into Galilee. God would have him go to Galilee. The man, Jesus Christ, to preach the kingdom of God is among you. Among you. The kingdom of God is here and every man presseth into it. We press into the kingdom fighting against ourselves and all the elements of Satan in this world and the nature of our vile, filthy flesh. We press against it, taking up our cross daily, denying ourselves and striving to serve the Lord. And the Bible says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Samaria is the area between Judea and Galilee. Let's build a history on Samaria and why Christ must needs go through Samaria. When God chose David and set him as king over the nation of Israel, That was a physical nation, a physical people. They were in the land that God had promised to Abraham, the land of Canaan. God had given the law to Moses. And God had blessed the kingdom. It was a mighty nation in the earth. God's people were there. The physical nation of Israel, God was manifesting His right and His sovereignty to choose this nation, to love this nation, to set His love upon this nation, separating it from the other nations of the world. And God blessed David. And David sought to build God a house. But David was a man of war. God said, you're not going to build me a house. Your son shall build me a house. 
And that's a type of Christ with Solomon building the house of God. But Solomon, to get to my point, established building the kingdom and all the things that were in the kingdom and all the cost of it and all the gold and silver, the precious wood and all the things that were built there in the kingdom of God. And by the way, that's a type and shadow of the preciousness of the gospel today, the true gospel and the church of the living God. But Solomon prospered. They were mighty. Solomon was a man of wisdom. He sought wisdom to judge, and God gave him wisdom. There, I've heard it said there was never a wiser man on the face of the earth than Solomon, but I believe Adam, who stood in the presence of God, was probably more wise, but Solomon was the wisest man in judgment because that's what God gave him. And that's what the Bible teaches. And then... We're all sinners. And then, this great, wise man, Solomon, 1 Kings 11, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Adonites, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, and Solomon clave unto these in love. The man was probably the most powerful man by the judgment of God, by the power of God in the entire world. Probably. Yet this man was flesh and blood. This man was a sinner. He had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines and Solomon clave unto these in love. It came to pass as we live in a world of flesh and blood, as we are flesh and blood and God is immortal and eternal and all power and all wisdom contained in the Godhead of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect. The Lord is God as was the heart of his father. I'm going to cut this short for the sake of time and move on. But Solomon went after the gods of the people that God had given them that God had conquered for them, for the Lord fights for you and the land that God drove the inhabitants out and gave unto them. His heart went after those gods. He did evil, verse 6, 1 Kings 11, in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. This is why we have to be cautious as we walk and live in this body of flesh and try to draw nigh unto the Lord and pray constantly, daily, and walk with Christ in this world that we may continue in the kingdom and the world and love Him and the church and adore Him and cherish Him and strive to glorify His name as we live. Solomon built in high place for Shemosh, an abomination of Moab, the hill that is before Jerusalem for Melech, the abomination of the children of Ammon that caused their children to pass through the fire and child sacrifice. Is that any different than the, the things that happen today? And likewise did he for all his strange wives that burn incense and sacrificed unto their gods. I told you all that to give you a point. 
He must needs go through Samaria. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Two more verses. Three. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. First of all, realize this is under the law. This is before Christ came. We were kept shut up under the law. Second of all, realize the judgment of God upon sin and, and, and the sins of His people. God suffers the sin in this world. God suffers the sin of the wicked. One day this world and all sin will be destroyed, but God will judge His people also for their sins. We pay the punishment of our sins if you're a child of God in this world. God said, I'm going to rend the kingdom. Now you look at what He said. You realize what God will do for one obedient child of God. One whose heart was set to God. One who realized that He is a sinner and that God is the sovereign King of the universe. For my servant David's sake, I'll not rend it for thee, from thee, but I'll rend it from thy son. We're making the point he must need to go through Samaria. The kingdom of God was as one kingdom. There was one nation in the kingdom. And the wisest man in judgment, God had set over it. And he must needs go through Samaria. Chapter 12. We find when Cutting very short, God rent the kingdom. The house of Israel rebelled against the house of David because of the harshness of Solomon's son Rehoboam. And we find in verse 19, we find that Israel rebelled against the house of David. I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have time to go through this, it would take two weeks, you read it. Rehoboam assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin as an hundred and four score. There's the two tribes. Judah, you remember Genesis 49 when Jacob blessed his sons, the patriarchs, the tribes of Israel. The scepter, the government, the rule of the church should not depart from Judah until Shiloh come and the and him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh means the peace of God. This is teaching us that the scepter, the rule, the government of the church would not depart from Judah in the law until the peace of God, Christ 
came into the world. And right after it talks about Joseph being a fruitful bow by a well, he mentions Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of the left hand, the warrior tribe. The one born of Rachel who was born in the promised land, okay? Benjamin, that drew the sword with the left hand. As a ravening wolf, would they conquer? Now all this is coming to why he must needs go through Samaria. These two tribes and the half-tribe of Joseph, Manasseh, stayed with Judah in the south. If you want to learn about Manasseh, then you go to Genesis 48. And you will find a time when Jacob being having Joseph restored. You know the story of Joseph in Egypt and how God blessed him there. He had two sons. The oldest son was Manasseh. The youngest son was Ephraim. Manasseh is the half-tribe that stayed with Judah and Benjamin. Consider this. Judah, the place of worship. Benjamin, Benjamin, the militant tribe in the world which fought with the sword in that day in the religious city and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now when Jacob brought his sons, when Joseph brought his sons before Jacob to bless them, Jacob was blind. Joseph set his oldest son, Manasseh, at the right hand of Jacob. So that when Jacob blessed with his right hand, he would lay the blessing upon the head of Manasseh. And the left hand would have been upon the younger son of Ephraim. It is the law of man. It is the tradition of man. In a court of law today, if one a father and mother pass, when the father passes, if the mother's already gone, then the inheritance naturally by nature goes to the eldest son. It was set there that his son Manasseh would receive the blessing. Yet Jacob crossed his arms pointing to the cross of Calvary, him being blind, can you see the providence of God in this prophecy which he is given, and laid the blessing on the head of the youngest son Ephraim. Joseph said, not so, not so, my father. And Jacob plainly told him, yes, it would be. He said, Manasseh will be a people. And they were a people. You see, because Manasseh stayed with Judah in Jerusalem. We had Jerusalem, the religious capital. We had Benjamin, the warrior tribe. And we had the half-tribe of Manasseh. But Ephraim would be a multitude of people. Ephraim being a picture, a type, a shadow of the Gentiles that God would bring into the church of God. And we're getting there if I ever get to the text. But you see that Jeroboam brought them up to Mount Shechem. This is where Christ is going. In Mount Ephraim. 
and dwelt therein, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And, and he said, this people, being this far away, they're going to go down to worship in Jerusalem. And their heart will be returned to the service there, and the king there, and they shall kill me. So he built, this is where trouble comes in. This is where trouble comes in, whether it's in a nation or a family or a church. The leader of the nation, the leader of the people, raised up two calves. The calves represent the gods of Egypt. You see the two calves that were built by Aaron when Moses went up into the mountain to receive the testimony of God. These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee through the Red Sea from the land of Egypt into this land. And Jeroboam led them astray. It became a sin for the people to worship before the one even unto Danny made a house of high places, made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. He altered, he changed, he corrupted the law. The northern nation and the southern nation, two kingdoms, northern and southern, both Israel. By the time the Christ of God came into the world, the northern kingdom had disappeared. They had lost their identity as being God's children. They had intermingled with the people of the land that God drove them out from. They worshipped every pagan god that was in the land that God drove out the inhabitants before them. It was not seen or known or manifested by others. They did not display the identity of the true nation of Israel and the law service which was still being maintained in Jerusalem even though they had been in the bondage of strange kings and nations for many years. You can plainly see what happens with the children of God by the nature of our flesh and what men, even our leaders, can take us into. But realize the grace of God. And He must needs go through Samaria. Realize the purpose of the Christ of God. Realize the salvation of the Christ of God. He must needs go through Samaria. When Jesus in Matthew 10 sent forth those disciples, He said, Go not into any city in Samaria or unto the Gentiles, but go into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Plainly teaching that their primary objective in the beginning was to gather together the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Acts 13.45, we find where Paul told those same Pharisees and Jews, seeing yourselves, seeing ye judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. 
That was not a failure on the part of the gospel. That was not a failure on the part of Christ. That was not a failure on the part of the church. That was predetermined of God to gather all the people of God together in one. Jesus said, if I be lifted up to the earth, I will draw, catch that, will draw all men unto me. Which men is he talking about? All the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And him that cometh unto me I shall in no wise cast out. The gathering together in the children of God, even those among the Gentiles. Acts chapter 1, we find Christ teaching His disciples as He was about to ascend back into heaven in a moral glory, proving that His work upon this earth was finished because God would receive Him back into the heaven. And He told them that they were to bear witness of Him in Judea and in Samaria and the four corners of the earth, the land of the Gentiles, gathering together God's people from all these lands, every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, as John said in Revelation 5. He must needs go through Samaria. Now let's go to the text. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. This is also in the Old Testament known as Shechem. It's the place where Jacob bought some property with a well. And Jacob dug a well. It's in that land in the northern kingdom. It's in Samaria, which is between Judea and Galilee. It's not there in Jerusalem where the temple and the city of Jerusalem was and the gates of the city, but it is the place where God sent Abraham. It is the place where our forefathers worshipped God on the mountain and the well was there and God provided it. Then cometh he, Christ, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, now, I've already mentioned that. Genesis 49, Jacob telling Joseph that he would be a fruitful bow by a well. It bears fruit, this bow, this vine. It will bear fruit because Christ is the vine, the well, the Spirit of God, the well of grace. Grace, brethren, we're here because of grace. We know God because of grace. We love God because of grace. Unmerited love and favor for He first loved us. I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with His journey. This is the Son of Man. He's journeyed, he's walked, he's hot, he's tired, he's thirsty. He is a man. He feels these things. God cannot die. God cannot suffer. God was made flesh, manifest, that he might suffer and bleed and die for the sins of the people of God. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. It's the noonday. It's hot. There cometh a woman of Samaria. Here's a Samaritan. Here's a woman 
who has come from the dispersed of Israel, those that were dispersed among the Gentiles, those that left when Jeroboam left Rehoboam and Jerusalem with Benjamin and Manasseh and Judah. Her people had gone north. They had settled among the Gentiles. They had settled in Samaria. They were finally conquered by Assyria the king of Assyria. They had lost their identity. The Jews looked down on them as if they were filthy dogs to be away from, never to acknowledge, never to speak of, never to talk to or have anything to do with them as if they were better than them. Is that not the way today among many? When we're all sinners. We talked last week about the mercy of God on that woman taken in adultery. Brethren, we are to be merciful one to another. He sent His disciples away to get meat. Maybe that was because He wanted the time to expose what He does to this woman without them being there judging her. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Think about the church now. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For His disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto Him, She knows they look down upon the Samaritans. She knows they despise them. How is it that thou, not Christ, but the Jews, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. It's almost as if she's being sarcastic. Why are you asking me, a Samaritan? You look down on me. You think you're better than me. She didn't know who he was. Understand that to start with. She knew not who he was. The Jews look down on us. How is it that thou, being a Jew, Ask me to help. I can't help but bring this up. Do you remember the good Samaritan that was beaten and robbed? The man, the Levite, and the Pharisee? The priesthood walked by him, refusing to acknowledge he was even there. And the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan, God was in the heart. The good Samaritan took him and helped him. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, that gift he's speaking of is the Christ of God. And who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I want you to realize She's talking to the living Word of God who was made flesh. I want you to realize she is talking to God manifest in the flesh. She is talking to the Savior, our redemption, and she knows not who He is. You let that sink in. The woman saith unto Him, we are driven away from the presence of God. We cannot see God. We cannot draw nigh to God. We cannot know God. 
because we're sin and sin could not exist before God. She knew not what he, who He was. Grace, brethren, the love of God, the salvation of Christ who cleansed us from our sin. The woman saith unto Him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast Thou that living water? You would have asked Me had you known who I was. She's almost as if she is being sarcastic. The well's deep. You don't have a water pot. How are you going to draw water? Many ask the same thing today. How has Christ saved us? How is He going to save us daily? Not being able to see and comprehend that the Lord Jesus Christ is the second person of the Godhead that God had exalted Him high above all things. He's the head of the church. He's the head of all things. By Him were all things created. And by Him do all things consist. They were made by Him and for Him. She says, how can you draw this water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Your water's better than mine. Jacob drank from this well. He gave it to his children. He gave it to his cattle. His, and he gave it to his family. Are you better than him? Is your water better than his? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Being diabetic, you stay thirsty. You get a drink of water in hot weather, 30 minutes later you're looking for another glass of water because you are thirsty. The body craves water. It's made primarily of water and we must have water. That is a natural fact as long as we live in this body of flesh. Give me the water that I will never thirst again. He says, Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, Matthew 5. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The Spirit of God within you, once again, Ephesians 2 and 1, and you hath he quickened while you were dead in trespassing sins. Jesus said in John chapter 5, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. That's the life that God gives you when He quickens you in this world and gives you life and brings you unto Himself. It is irresistible. You had no choice being born of your mother and father. You've got no choice being born of God. It is the hand of God. It is the providence of God. And it springs up into everlasting life. It gives you everlasting life by grace. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. She's still thinking of the water bucket. Jesus, she's like Nicodemus. She's thinking in earthly terms. Jesus told Nicodemus, if I tell you earthly things, 
And you don't understand. How would you expect to understand heavenly things? That a man must be born again. How can a man be born again? Nicodemus said. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Nicodemus said you must be born of water and of the Spirit. The Spirit of God giving you life. John the Baptist got it in the womb. He leapt for joy when his mother came upon Mary as she was carrying the Christ child. Do not, do not doubt the power of God. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The woman answered and said, uh, Jesus said, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now watch this and think about the church. The woman representing the church in my mind. The woman answered, and uh, God's children is what I'm saying, and where they have been before, before Christ. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. That's six. And that thou saidst truly. She had had six husbands. Well, she'd had five husbands. She's now with the sixth, okay? Doesn't say whether any circumstance, death, sin, whatever reason, she'd had five husbands. And she's now with a six. But you see, brethren, seven is a complete number with God. The seventh was here. The year of Jubilee, speaking of sevens and sevens, had come. Christ, the Son of God, the bridegroom, was here to claim His bride, to redeem His bride to clothe her in beautiful white garments of righteousness. With the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Maybe she's thinking about Deuteronomy, I think 18, where God said He would send them a prophet in Him they would hear prophesying of the Christ. Just because she is in a land of Gentiles and hated by the Jews did not negate the fact that they came from the nation of Israel. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, until the time that God called David and they brought David took the stronghold of Jerusalem and Solomon established the house of God there because it pleased God to do so. Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jerusalem to the Jews was given the oracles of God. There in the law service, God had instructed them what to do. God had instructed them how to sacrifice. God told Moses to do things exactly the way it was shown unto thee in the mount. Nothing changes exactly as God said it would be. That's why we're called primitive Baptists. We try to hold to the pattern that Christ ordained in the apostles when He walked upon the face of the earth and established His church here. 
The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Because Christ would establish His church. Ye worship, ye know not what. Again, they worship, they know not what, because they worship every pagan god that was in the land that God gave them to inherit history. And the Bible proves that. They caused their children to pass through the fire. They built high places. They worship every pagan god in the land. Well, some of them, they worship with the Lord, with God also. God, the Lord thy God, is a jealous God. He will not give His glory to another. We are to worship the God in heaven and Him alone. Everything else He created, if you read Romans chapter 1, that was one of their problems mentioned there was worshiping the creature more than the Creator. He said, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. They worship according to the law God gave them. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit. Zechariah 12.10, I've said this before, and I will pour upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace, grace, brethren, and supplication, and they shall look upon Me, Christ, whom they have pierced, His side. And they shall mourn as one that mourneth for His only Son. He is telling us there that we shall see Christ uh, by the Spirit of God which touches us. And we shall see Him high and lifted up, holy and without blame, His body becoming sin for us. And we will realize by the Spirit of God His glory. And therefore we will also realize by the Spirit of God our sin, our condemnation, the natural state of sin that we're in by our very existence. And we will realize that God is merciful to us for we haven't got the punishment we deserved and we will realize that God's grace, His unmerited love and favor has brought His Son in the world and saved us from our sin. And because of that, in gratitude and in love and adoration of our Savior, we seek to serve Him. Our spirit cries, Abba, Father. And we worship Him in spirit, not by the letter of law. And in truth, for Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God. He is the truth of God, for His God manifests in the flesh. And He is the life that God gives us. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God works His way in heaven and earth. That does not mean God's out there begging somebody to come to Him. That God seeks people who will come to Him. That means that God gives them life. That God touches them. That God's providence in their life causes him, them to worship Him and to seek Him and to do and will after His good pleasure. For it is God which worketh in you to do and to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's Bible. God is a spirit. 
And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh. Now you think about this. You think about this. This woman has been standing here talking to Him in the heat of the day at the well, Jacob's well. We could portray that as a well of grace in just a moment. She's been talking to the Lord. She's seen Him. She's looked upon Him. She knows enough about Him to know He's a Jew. She knows enough about Him to know He's a prophet. But she does not know who He is. Jesus in Matthew 16 asked His disciples, Whom do men say that I am? John the Baptist, Elias, or one of the prophets? Just like this woman. And Jesus said, But whom do ye, His disciples, those that were walking with Him, those that He had called to walk with Him and to serve Him, and the apostles whom He called to establish the doctrine and practice of the church here in the world, but whom do ye say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What were Christ's words? Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Understand this. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which art in heaven. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. I know that He comes. Genesis chapter 3 teaches me He'll be born into the world. That He'll bruise the serpent's head. It'll bruise His heel. And He'll destroy the power and the work of the serpent. I know that Messiah's coming. He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Their problem was they did not see nor understand being under the law and uh, in the flesh that He was not speaking as they looked for a physical nation to be reestablished and reign on the earth with a king that sat upon a physical throne. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who would come this world in a spiritual way, rule and reign and judge the children of God. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Back to Deuteronomy 18.15. Jesus saith unto her, now you watch this. She's talked with Him. She's seen Him. How long were they there? Did not know who he was until he saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. There is no way to know God except by revelation from the Father. The hour is coming and now is when the dead in sin shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That's life in this world being quickened and brought into the kingdom of God. Marvel not at this, for the hours coming which all are in the graves shall hear His voice and come forth. He told her, I that speak unto thee am He. And upon this, His disciples came His disciples and marveled that He taught with the woman 
Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? This is the Lord speaking with the Samaritan. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. Religious people in Judea looked down on the Samaritans. Understand that. Consider how we are to be. Remember the mercy of God talked about last week. Remember the mercy of Christ which is upon us. The, the grace of God which is upon us. Why talkest thou with her? The woman that left her water pot, and I heard Charlie Tucker say this many years ago in Beulah Church, the woman representing the church left her water pot, which is a representation of the law. Remember, they were arguing over purification by water and went her way into the city, a representation of the church. But actually, she's not going to Jerusalem. And saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto Him. We are here by the grace of God. We know Christ just as this woman did by the direct revelation through grace of the Son of God who loved us and died for us and raised us up from death. We know because He has revealed it to us. He's cleansed us from our sin, brought us to God, made atonement for us. Ought we not be telling others about Him and who He is. And ought we not be like the men of the city who came unto Him? If God loves you, if you love God, He loves you. He loved you first and gave His Son to be a covering for your sins, a mercy seat for your sins. We need to Draw nigh unto God to pray to God, to worship God, to be separate from the ways of this world and strive as we live to worship the Christ. You're in the kingdom of God, Colossians 1.13, because God has translated you here to serve Him. May God bless you.